now listening to The Awakened Soul. And we are back. It's New Year's Eve, people. Another episode of The Awakened Soul. I promise you guys this one. This is going to be the review for Star Wars The Last Jedi with myself and Anthony Merced um, from the WWPN. Uh, he also does a soccer podcast. He, he He's very well-rounded, as a, as am I. Um, so this is going to be a fun discussion on this one. Um, it's just a review. I think we went about an hour and 15 minutes on the Star Wars review. We're both big Star Wars fans. So it's not just a straight-up review of uh, The Last Jedi. It's also some stuff about the prequels and theories and all types of stuff sprinkled in there. I know this episode isn't going to be for everyone because everyone isn't as big of a Star Wars nerd as I am. But I wanted to get this one. I, I love Star Wars, one of my favorite film series uh before marvel it was my it was my marvel because it's just it, the lore and everything into the books I, I was freaking neck deep into star wars lore at one point in my life so uh yeah check this one out it's a fun one um it's, it's just this on this episode so we're gonna go ahead and get into the intro music on the other side of that it's gonna be the star wars the last jedi review. Ladies and gentlemen, I got a special one. I've been looking forward to have this conversation. I've actually seen the film we're about to talk about twice just because I wanted to make sure I soaked it all in uh, before I actually talked about it on this podcast. Thank God for Movie Pass, which everyone should look into if they don't have it. But before we get into the movie, uh, we got a guest um, from the WWPN, from uh, from from my neck of the woods, my other my other podcasting network. But Anthony Merced is in the building. What's going on? Doing good, man. I was the minute you said that we were going to talk about this movie, I was hyped. I was like, I got to be on this. I've, I've been, I've been a huge fan since I was a kid. I mean, we pretty much all of us have been. So I was like, and and a chance to not talk about pro wrestling for once can't can't pass that up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, especially luckily you don't get have to talk about much WWE because um, sometimes that could just be terrible. But uh, yeah, man, I'm, I'm glad to glad to talk to you about something not wrestling. We we've podcasted together a couple of times now, but it's always been wrestling, so it's good to have a different topic here. Um, so uh, clearly we're here. If you guys can tell by the intro, we're here to talk Star Wars: Last Jedi. But you know, we have to talk a little bit about the whole Star Wars empire before we get into the specific movie. So, Anthony, I'm going to ask you this: Do you remember the moment you became a Star Wars fan? I do. I was. I had to have been, I think I was like either four or five years old, and the it was the first box set of VHS tapes that came out. Um, I saw a commercial for it, and I pointed at the screen, and I was like, I got, I got to watch that. And one of my aunts for Christmas that year bought me that box set, and I, I wore those tapes out nonstop. Uh, so that from, from that point, it was, it was Star Wars everything. The little micro machines that came out around that same time, um, and, and anything that had to do with Star Wars, that was about it. Yeah, yeah. I, when I was um, when I became a Star Wars fan, it was back when we were younger. Because I think me and you were on the same age. Sci-Fi Channel used to do this thing. This was before the prequels or anything, so I had to be like six or seven. They used to do this thing where they would show the original trilogy each a different movie each night, and I just randomly one day like my dad never because he's not a big sci-fi fan, so I've never it's never been one of those things that was like passed down like some people around me, but um. 
I just happened to t- tune into it and I didn't know what the hell I was watching. But by the end of that first movie, I'm like, okay, I'm hooked. Then the next night, which was Empire Strikes Back, which is still probably my favorite in the whole series. I, I was, I was Star Wars everything by then. And it was, I, I searched the, the, the cartoons, the stupid Christmas special, the Ewok movies, like all of that. And I think that was at that time, it was like maybe a year or two before the prequels were, were about to start coming out. Once Phantom Menace dropped, it was like, yeah, I'm I'm the biggest biggest Star Wars fan in the world. Like I had action figures all over the the place. Um, but I'm bringing it back to you. I'm gonna ask you: Are you a prequelist? Or are you a prequel hater? Because it, it kind of divides the Star Wars fans. I'm not a prequel hater. Um, I look, I I acknowledge it for what it is. There comes a point, I think, like where um, you you kind of got to look at it for exactly what it is. And and Episode One, I. I, I knew it wasn't a great movie when I first saw it, and I kind of forgave it because I was such a Star Wars fan. But uh, years later, um, when they did, they had a plan, I want to say maybe like 09 or something, where they were going to re-release all the prequels in 3D. And I went and I saw episode one, and they were just, most of the people there were like parents with their kids. Every kid laughed at Jar Jar Binks. Every kid was silent during the pod race scene. It was, and I, and I got it at that point. I was like, oh, this this movie was for them. The same way the Ewoks were for us as kids. Um, we didn't hate them, even though there was a whole bunch of kids who were like teenagers who had grown up with the original movie that hated it. So like from that point forward, I kind of looked at them in a really different light. I, I, I understand that they're not they do not hold the candle, the original movies. But, I, you know, I'll go back and I'll watch them for what they are. Yeah, I'm I'm. I'm kind of the same way with the prequels i don't completely hate the prequels but i by no means herald them as great movies at all i think george lucas he, he needed he needed someone to kind of rein him in a little bit there but there, there was a lot of good in the prequels and i think some of it gets missed because the bad was so bad in the prequels but come on we got to see yoda r- r- wield a lightsaber like that had to make it worth it right there right yeah and well the one the one thing for me that was worth it was um after Two movies and, you know, a miniseries, the, the Clone Wars miniseries. We got that big Jedi battle at the end of episode three. And I forgave George Lucas for everything for after that Obi-Wan Anakin lightsaber battle. Because I was like, this, this is what I've been waiting for since I was a little kid. Like, this dude fighting over a volcano. <laughs> and, and, it was, and it was everything that I wanted it to be. Exactly. And I think a lot of people... Um... Yeah, they, they they missed that. But I, okay, so we talked about the prequels. I got to ask you about Rogue One. I personally, Rogue One is now like my third favorite Star Wars movie. If we're not, if we're counting not just the saga films, what did you think about Rogue One? Rogue One was great. Rogue One was everything. Um, I, the the problem is, I think that they've set such a high bar for the uh, for the movies that are not going to be part of the numbered movies. That I don't know if they can ever match uh, Rogue One because uh, they they hit every single point that they needed to. They had the sympathetic characters. They set the world for what it was, which the original Star Wars didn't really do all that well. Like we didn't see the little people and how they suffered under the Empire, and to see the Death Star in uh, its unfinished phase, but still be this big, uh, this weapon of mass destruction, and see it just destroy an entire town was just intense and every, and everything that you you would have wanted from that down to the point that I didn't even realize that it was going to be a direct connection to um to a new hope 
that I I I was floored by that. And I was also floored by what they did with um General Tarkin, that actor Peter Cushing, that they were able to recreate him. In the middle of the movie, I looked at my wife, I was like, That guy's been dead for fifteen years. <laughs> and it looked like he was right there on the screen. It was it was great. Yeah, they did they did a great job with Tarkin and you know, seeing the destruction uh, up close of the Death Star, something that we had, had never seen. It had always been from from space. We saw the planet blow up, but we never got to see that destruction close up. And I just loved how gritty that film was. And gritty is a word that gets thrown around a lot in film nowadays. Uh, gritty and dark is like ways that a lot of people use to describe some movies. But it definitely was gritty, and it felt like a war film. And it brought it brought the war to Star Wars. I, I love that that movie. Absolutely, it's, it's like I said, it's probably my third favorite Star Wars movie of all time. Um, so now let's, let's get into what we're, what we're here to talk about. That's the last Jedi. Um, but we can't talk about the last Jedi before at least briefly talking about, um, the force awakens. Uh, you, you, you're a star Wars fan too. So I know you've heard a lot of the backlash of people saying the force awakens is basically a remake of the original. I personally don't subscribe to that, but what were your thoughts on the force awakens? Now I don't subscribe to that either. Those are the same people that just didn't notice. Um, I mean, every one of these movies kind of has a moment where they're trying to take down a big mechanical thing. Uh, you know, Empire Strikes Back. It was the Adat Walkers, um, the second Death Star, Return of the Jedi. Episode one, it was the um, the the droid ship where Anakin kind of recreated the Death Star scene. So it, that didn't bother me all that much. Um, and I think that the I also am a little bit uh, more inclined to know more about the. Not about the First Order, but I, I read a lot of the comic books growing up, the Dark Horse series of comics, where they explained that the Empire wasn't really, it was over, but there was kind of a civil war that happened afterwards. So when everyone's like, wow, like, what, like the, the Empire didn't just go away? It's like, no, I mean, when, okay, like when a leader dies, there's still some, there's still a bunch of generals around that have all these, sto- all these stormtroopers and, and, you know, Star Destroyers and all that kind of stuff. So it totally made sense to me. That didn't bother me at all. Starkiller base could literally have been something that that was already in the works that some general just came along and was like, well, we're going to finish it and and keep it going. So that didn't feel at all like a rehash and being able to go forward with, you know, Ben Solo, Kylo Ren and all that kind of stuff. It seemed only natural. So now it definitely wasn't a rehash. Yeah, I mean, and and we'll we'll talk about a lot about Ben Solo slash Kylo Ren uh, and talking about this movie, because I, I honestly and here, here's here's the thing is that. I think I think Ben Solo is honestly probably one of the best written characters in all of Star Wars, maybe even more so than Darth Vader. We still have another movie to get there, and I'll explain more when we get into the movie. But just the the actual confliction, the fact that we're seeing that um, in him so heavily throughout these two movies so far, we never saw any of that. Darth Vader was just Darth Vader was just evil, flat out evil, and we started to understand why he was conflicted towards the end. And the prequels did a lot to to add to that as well as to why how he got to where he was. And even then, it was still kind of he seems like he went to the dark side kind of suddenly. But to to see Kylo Ren say he's be, he feels called by the light, like seduced by the light, I think is how he referred to it in the first movie, like. Just that line of me is just it adds so much depth, especially as a Star Wars fan, because you you almost never hear or read that in any of the literature. Someone being seduced by the light. Yeah. And, and he was he is a character that um, everyone has failed. Like, just everyone in his life has just failed him. Um, and we'll get into that in regards to to Last Jedi. But I even felt that while watching The Force Awakens. Like This is a kid that like who just sends their kid off to be, you know, 
trained at an academy when he's got like two rich parents like oh not rich but like you know two royal parents like it, it seems like everyone is so detached from him that he's looking for this father figure and then snow comes along and pretty much just grabs him and treats him like like crap but it doesn't matter because it's something rather than nothing so you get that scene in, in force awakens where he really wants to you know uh, you know uh, solo is really kind of trying to endear himself to him and he realizes that this is a chance for me to to galvanize my my adopted father and ends up killing him which turns out to be something completely different because i i think all of us kind of thought was like well now this kid is just supremely evil and we get so many more layers of him in the last jedi than uh, than we thought we would get i thought this movie was going to be more about ray and we ended up finding out so much more about uh, ben solo kylo ren yeah, and so I mean, we, we kind of prefaced it enough. Let's let's get into the last Jedi, and we're, we're going to talk a lot more about I think what we both said about Kylo as we as we talk about the characters in this movie. Um, the opening to the last Jedi, and I, I want to say I think it was it was a good twenty. It felt like almost thirty minutes maybe before we even see Ray. Um, to open up the way they did on that action scene of um, it, it was a little comedy too with uh Poe uh, um going to the destroyer what what did you think about the opening was that effective you I, i've read a lot of people saying it was maybe too comedic but for his character because i could see han solo doing that in 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 a movie um possibly or, or read that in a book like what did you think about the whole i can't hear you i have a message for your mom from poe to kind of start the movie off I thought it was hilarious. And like, I mean, it served a purpose. He was literally delaying them. And, and, and at a certain point, you know, one of the characters, one, one of the, um, one, the, one of the generals was like, he's trying to buy time. And it totally made sense for the whole thing. Also, I don't know where people get this idea that Star Wars isn't supposed to be funny. I mean, the whole first, the first film has about a good 30, 40 minutes of two droids acting stupid with each other. So I, I, I don't get this, like how these characters can't be funny. Uh, so, and, and it was, it was a, what, what, maybe two minutes this, this thing was of him kind of, you know, acting like he can't hear uh, one of the generals. Uh, so yeah, it, it served its purpose really well and broke up the tension a little bit because we it, it jumps right from there into being uh, an aviation World War II film for about the next 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, comedy, like you said, it's it's always been a part of Star Wars. And you hear people now, you know, they, they try to use whatever they can to justify stuff saying that, oh, this is this proves the influence by of Disney now that they own Star Wars. Star Wars has always been funny. There's not been a Star Wars movie that didn't have some type of comedy to it. Even uh, Empire Strikes Back, which is kind of heralded as as the darkest movie in the Star Wars franchise, had a lot of comedy with R2-D2 and, and C-3PO. They were always the comedy characters. And Han Solo was pretty funny himself him and Chewbacca's back and forth has always been funny so that's something that I I just I don't get that that critique uh saying why is it so funny or why is there so much comedy because it's always been part of this franchise yeah I mean mean, everybody's respect Yoda beats up R2-D2 with his cane and it's like one of the funniest things in that movie (laughs) you know before he realizes that he's you know before he reveals that he is the the master Jedi I mean, he's he's a Muppet on on the screen for a good portion of time. Like that movie comes out now, and everybody's like, "Stores, they they ruined it. Disney put a Muppet in it." I mean, like that that's that's always been what this franchise is, uh, has built itself on. Yeah, completely, completely. Um, let, let's get back into this opening. So, um, with the bombers and losing the fleet, I. I love, like I said, with with Rogue One, I love the wars part of Star Wars when they actually show it. I love seeing the TIE fighter battles and the aerial battles. Um, 
what what did you think about about that part of it like did it did it kind of set the tone for the movie for you like it did for me because coming out of that um before they cut to ray it was just like okay now now i'm I'm back in star wars mood i'm I'm ready for the rest of this movie yeah yeah it showed us the desperation i think that everybody going into it knew that this was going to be uh you know following along the timeline of you know empire strikes back is a movie where you know the rebels just get punched in the mouth that that we everybody had a feeling this was going to be one where the good guys take a beating so to have it start and then be on the run from the very beginning really set that tone and was necessary i feel to be able to get this over i mean the bad guys have to look dangerous um they have to look like they're gonna they're gonna win if not why are we watching this then the comedy definitely doesn't work at that point uh because you're just everybody's so slapsticky but this this worked because they looked dangerous and Poe and his group, uh, the bombers, they were all willing to sacrifice their lives to save what ended up being something like 13, 14 ships because they knew that this was their if this was their last chance. Uh, and, and this was potentially the, the end of the resistance, um, as would be alluded to later on in the film. Yeah. And and so we got to see quite a bit here and I'm, I'm trying to kind of bridge all this together, this whole uh, plot. So. We get the resistance being attacked on their base. They were able to escape the base due to do the pose um, tactic there. They escape through light speed. The moment they come out, the first order is right on their asses shooting at them again. Um, we, that's when we get Finn waking up and him uh, setting on this mission to find a master code breaker so that they can hop onto Snoke's ship. Disable the tracker, uh, how they're tracking them through light speed and then jump back off into light speed again. That was probably maybe my my least favorite part of the movie. Um, as much as I do like Finn and Rose, I, I like the characters. Maybe just the whole plot of that just seemed a little convoluted to me. Um, but it's it's a Star Wars thing. That, that that's a, almost a common trope in Star Wars too. They they almost always have to get something or find something. What did you think about Finn and Rose's stories in this movie? I didn't mind the stories. The one thing that I think needs to be clarified somehow is um, uh, time management in in the in the Star Wars universe. Like, what does light speed really mean? Because right before that, we we see the um, the the new the the first order kind of uh, bearing down on them, and it's like, well, they only have six hours of, of energy left, and once they run out of fuel, you know, we'll get them. And they're able to travel to this casino planet and back and get arrested. And do all of this stuff all in less than six hours. So it's kind of like, well, time management here in in this uh, galaxy is is an interesting one. Uh, that that was my only kind of weirdness um, that I had about it. I think, uh, and like, it's a little bit heavy handed as well in the in the politics a bit, uh, the social politics, and like you know these rich people having a good time. And I rolled my eyes a little bit because they're well, while there is a point to be made, they didn't really have enough time to to really flesh it out. So I thought that maybe that shouldn't have been there. But Finn plays such an important role in this because he's not a Jedi. He's he's a normal dude. And it's important to know that a normal dude that isn't at all gifted, like he's not Poe, who's got this who's an amazing pilot, he's not Ray, has got an who's an amazing Jedi. He's a normal dude who risks his life uh to do things and can die. He's a character that very well you could see him believably being killed off in this universe. So uh, I tend to care more about what happens to him than I do sometimes some of the characters that I know that are going to be there all the way to the very end. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that too. Like the, the social commentary, it's been in other Star Wars movies. It's been it's it's almost in every film nowadays. So I can forgive that a little bit. But 
um the the time aspect what i will say and this is something that i think i caught on my second see-through so just let me know how you feel about this initially it was said when poe and finn were talking about their plan before finn left that they had 18 hours of fuel then by the time they make it to the planet and they show the first order attacking them again they say they have six hours later in the movie we found out that Aldo, um, or Hodo, whatever the general's name, Laura Dern's character, she was filling, fully fueling up the escape pods or whatever. So I think that that kind of explains why their fuel. They said they had eighteen hours initially, and then it automatically changed to sixteen hours. What did you catch that at all, or was I, like I said, I didn't catch it the first time. So maybe if you've only seen it once, you you may have not caught that little dialogue there. Yeah, I caught that part. What, what I guess what I mean, my my part isn't necessarily that, but like. Uh, I, I think about just like getting on a plane and flying to like Australia or something takes you 20 hours. So I'm thinking that if, if you're in the middle of space and you're flying to um, some planet somewhere else in the galaxy, it might take about like feasibly might take about 10 hours or so or something of like that. That's what I mean about like just the it's an overall universe thing more than it is anything else. Like a, same thing happened, I thought, in the remakes of, of Star Trek, where um, like 15 minutes later, you're on planet Vulcan and then another 10 minutes later, you're back on Earth. Like Vulcan's not yeah, that true. close, yeah. So okay, like that—that's really. But that part actually, now that you bring that up, like that—that that part actually did totally make sense to me when I was watching it. Um, how that time went down to the, how they sacrificed fuel, um, as kind of a little mini trick to get them, uh, to to buy them some more time, which is a whole other thing entirely. Laura Dern's character is one of, even though she's only in this movie this one time. Um, is so incredibly special because she teaches Poe a lesson that Leia couldn't teach him and that he was too stubborn to see himself later on. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and let's let's talk about that. Uh, before we talk about that, we have to talk because I don't want to make sure we don't skip off of it. Um, as a Star Wars fan, when we found out that Luke and Leia were brother and sister, never in the original tr- trilogy did we really get to see Leia l- use her force powers or use the force at all besides to communicate with Luke a couple of times. This movie, when she gets blown out of the, the, the um, oh God, the starship, the, the whatever it was called, um, and you see that moment of her flo- floating in space and her eyes blink and she uses the force to get back to safety i had a little issue with with the cgi they use and and the kind of pose she was in when she was flying because it kind of looked like the wicked witch of the east but nonetheless <laughs> it was an amazing scene I didn't even for think me that. To, <laughs> it was an amazing scene for me to be able to finally see leia use her powers what did you think about that yeah i mean it was like it was super cool and originally going in i thought i was like man this is it this is how they're gonna write her out you know and um and it would have made sense but she wasn't dead and she does play, you know, she continues to play an important role later on in the movie. But, uh, you know, and, and this is another thing that I saw a lot of complaints about how she did. She isn't trained in the force. I'm like, how do you know that? Like, I, you know, there's so much time that's elapsed. If if Luke Skywalker was able to build a temple, um, have a bunch of people um, as trainees, do you think that maybe he wouldn't show his sister who's also um, equipped, you know, be able to use the force? I think he wouldn't show her at least the basics. Like, you're like, like I mean, not going to show, you know, everything, but like, hey, if you're in a bind, you know. Here's what you do. Like so, it it totally made sense to me uh, when that happened, and got a really great reaction out of the crowd um, that I was watching it with uh, when when she did that. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it too. Um, I mean, just to what we saw in the Force Awakens is Ray, who was not trained at all, somehow was able to use a bunch of Force powers off instinct. I like to think of it kind of like it kicks in with your adrenaline when she was trapped on the on um 
on uh Kylo's ship at the, at the end and she she tried to use force uh oh she did use the she convinced someone through the force to do something so she used mind control she was able to use her jedi power she was able to beat kylo ren in the lightsaber duel and i like to think a lot of that was instinct like the force kind of kicks in because it heightens your abilities who's to say that even if she wasn't trained which she probably was over the 30 years between this and and the original trilogy that her instinct just kicked in like at that point it's life and death she has a power, so it probably just kicked in. Yeah, and also, um, you know, to get really Star Star Wars nerdy here, the, the description of the Force that uh, Qui-Gon gives in Episode 1 is that um, you have the ability to see slightly into the future. And that's how they kind of explain Anakin's reflexes and why he's able to be um, a, a pod racer. So if you think about it, because I always heard the argument of, um, well, how is it that like Kylo Ren, who's this well-trained Jedi, how is he not able to to beat to best ray in a lightsaber battle I was like first off he got shot in the you got shot in the hip and second you know if, if ray is really that strong with the force she can see these things coming before they happen um so th- those kinds of little things if you're strong with the force if that's your family if your family bloodline um then it's a potential chance that yes you can do these things they're not completely out of the norm you may not be able to do them all the time but under heightened emotional states of course you can. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, that's what the force is. So, you know, anyone who's trying to break that down too much, you know, the, <laughs> it's it's right there for you. And it's it's clearly right there. But uh, let, let's let's talk about Laura Dern's character some more and her plan, um, which I already said, you know, was to fuel up the escape pods um, and then to escape while the the first order wasn't paying, uh, looking or scanning for smaller vehicles. Um, and then she also sacrificed herself. I want to talk about that effect. That when she uses light speed to attack Snoke's cruiser, that was a beautiful. And I love how they cut the sound out completely um, for a second or two when that happened. What did you think about that shot? And then also Laura Dern's character's plan. Oh, the shot was beautiful. And it was also something that uh, I don't know why any, no one's ever done it. Or at least that we've seen in the uh, in the Star Wars universe. It's like, that's brilliant. Like, if you're going to sacrifice yourself, go straight light speed and, and be a razor like like a hot knife through butter. Uh, through that ship, I thought it was it was a really great thing. Uh, Laura Dern's character, the the admiral that she played, was everything that she was built to be. It was like you know she won this famous battle. She's well known as a, as a strategic um, military person, and it made sense. So when when Poe com- comes up to her and kind of is like tries to you know pretty much boss his way around it, what like why why the hell would a general do that to someone lower on the chain of command? It's just like you're a gunslinger. Be a gunslinger and leave all the planning to the rest of us and they had a plan the entire time that's the thing that's amazing about it they knew when they dropped out they're like all right there's this here we're gonna you know this old base we're gonna hope that it's still there and we're gonna do everything we can to get there and that's what they were working toward pose you know pose the guy that walks in and says well i want to know what's happening so well it's a need to know basis and dude given how the battle went last time you definitely don't need to know this and he learned that over the course of it um learned that and then the best part, the best part about her character was they got taken over. The, you know, they, there was a mini coup where uh, where um, Poe and a few of the other um, uh, resistance fighters take over the bridge. And she manages to fight her way out of that, uh, you know, with, uh, you know, I think she like, kicks off um, some kind of exhaust and then ends up shooting down some like stunning some uh, some people. And I thought that was great because she came across as being witty, not just as a, as a strategic uh, wartime general, but also as someone who, when they're when they're in the thick of it, she can get things done. 
Absolutely, absolutely, and and I I read not all of them, but I read some of the uh, the novels and stuff, and you know, in, in one of the novels, it was her and, and Leia grew up together, so she's known Princess mm. Leia this whole time. So um, it, it it's it really plays into that. You feel that when they finally have their interaction, the way that they talk to each other, you you can tell that there's a history between these two. And yeah, great character. It just sucks that we only got her for one movie though. It really does. That's the one part about it. It's actually my, this is going to be a major complaint about the Star Wars universe. Um, right now under Disney, they don't know where they're going. And we know that at this point, that, that movie to movie, they're just kind of figuring it out as they go along. Because Ryan Johnson, the director, pretty much has to ask, you know, hey, are you attached to this character? Because I'm thinking of doing this. And they're like, nah, we don't know what we're doing. And they're going kind of movie to movie here, um, which is not what George Lucas did at all. And can can potentially create problems later. Uh, but Laura Dern's character is one of those that you really kind of look at and like, man, like this is the kind of thing that if you really knew what this was, would you have really killed her off? You know, because she could be so useful and such a great, strong female character later on in in a movie series hopefully maybe we'll get a spin-off series with her or something uh but i, I thought that this this was a character that needs to be explored a lot more than she currently is yeah yeah and uh, hopefully we get a novel or, or something you know um they're doing a star wars tv show for disney's new streaming service once it, once it launches maybe we get to see her then i, I really do enjoy the character though um but let, let's let's move on into uh, into some of the other characters we have to talk about. Um, it's it's time to talk some Ray and Luke. And like I said, we didn't get Ray until about twenty minutes, twenty twenty five minutes into the movie. And her first interaction w- with with Luke was was pretty pretty short. But um, what did you think about Ray in this movie? It, it it seemed to me, and I didn't time it or anything, but it seemed like Ray, while her scenes were more meaningful, I think by far but it felt kind of like we got less ray in this movie than what we got in the force awakens and like i said that may completely be my perception what do you think about it no i think so i i, I think that there was um she served a purpose uh, in in this movie but there was a lot more this new universe needed to be explained and not through her because she's she's the tip of the spear we needed to see everything else. Um, what What is the danger? Who are, you know, the villains in this? Specifically Kylo Ren, who we'll talk about a little bit later. Um, let's develop the world around it. Poe needed to be developed incredibly because he's going to play such an important role moving forward. So, and, and Luke in general, like we needed to see kind of what this character was going to develop into. So Ray's scenes being shorter, she dominated the first film. So it was okay that she had a little bit less screen time in in this one, knowing that in the third film, she is now kind of, she she is the figurehead for the resistance, especially, uh, and no spoiler alert here, Carrie Fisher will not be in the the next film, um, that she is going to be a a figurehead that will probably dominate the screen in in the third film in 2019, I think it's going to be. Yeah. Yes, 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 December yeah. 2019. So, but yeah, I mean, Ray, they're doing a great job with Ray. And and like I said, it it was what the scenes and the time she was in was definitely meaningful. Um I like that she has a connection with Luke now from this movie. Um and you know, it wasn't father and daughter like I was originally hoping for, which I it still was great nonetheless. Um, and it's been established that her and Leia have some type of connection. Now, we're not going to be able to see that flushed out much in the next movie due to the passing there of Carrie Fisher. But what's that? Hmm? Oh, I'm nope. sorry. OK, sorry about that. Um, 
but um like Ray in this movie like her learning about the force like the, that time she's talking to Luke and she says oh the force is a power Jedi's have that they can lift things and control people and he and she he sits her on that rock and she really really starts to realize what the force is we've always heard it described but I, I like the visuals that they use and the representation they 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 used again to to show her really realizing what the force really is and I think this is a movie where you get to learn a lot about Ray's motivations like when she tells Luke I just want to learn my place in all of this she's been someone without a purpose for so long and clearly she's meant for more and she's really finally starting to realize that and we'll talk about the connection between her and Kylo next but um what, do you think Ray as as the main hero in this or heroine I guess we should we should call her in in this trilogy um because you hear people call her Mary Sue and I and I don't believe all this but I I, I hope this movie did a lot to do away with with that perception of her. Um, do you agree with that? Do you do you what do you think about Ray as as the main character? Yeah, I mean, she's a confused character. She her she she had one purpose in life in the first movie, which was at the beginning of the first movie, which was waiting for her parents. They're going to come back one day. Now they, they, she she gave up on that and went looking for Luke Skywalker, who was going to be a pseudo parental figure in his own right. And now she needed to learn how to be something completely different. What is her place? She did. She, you know, she has that line. And there were a lot of people who had a problem with it because um, it came across as, uh, especially in the trailers, as, as a woman asking a man, kind of like, show me where I need to be, which is a little awkward. And I'll admit that it was kind of awkward for the trailer. But in the context of the movie and the character, it did totally make sense. She does not know how to live life without constantly searching for something. Uh, and and she hopefully by the end of this, and we'll find out in the third film, has an, has another purpose. But even still to this film, when she had the first opportunity, when she finally reaches out for the Force, the first thing she does is get tempted by the dark side to with the answer of, I know who your parents are. And she constantly runs towards it. Like, I, I need to know. I need to have this answered. And, and Luke, you know, very, very rightly calls her out on it and be like, you didn't even try to to fight against it um and 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 she didn't down to the point where she actually did go into whatever that kind of uh the barrows were um underneath the temple where the dark side resided kind of like a very similar area to um dagobah in in empire strikes back that was very strong with the dark side of the force that you're going to see kind of what you want to see or potentially get an answer to something that isn't going to be what you want it to be so she at, at that point, I, that was the first time that she ever really kind of surrendered to being something other than a person constantly looking for something from the past. And now she's she she has an entire movie to learn how to be something completely different now that she has a role to play. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think now that that question of, of who her parents are, which it could still not be the answer. We found out that her parents were were nothing but um what. Tra- day trader not day traders but whoa, smugglers. Whoa, whoa. I, I i have a theory about that okay we'll definitely have a theory so about that. we'll pencil that in we'll pencil that in because i definitely want to get into theories and that's kind of how we're going to okay. end and then we'll, we'll talk about theories so um <laughs> okay so in this movie we get a um we get establish a forced connection between kylo and and Ray to where they can see each other they're galaxies apart we're well, not galaxies well yeah galaxies apart but um they can see each other they can have communications they it, it was established that they can't necessarily see each other's surroundings but uh there was a scene in which Ray was standing by the ocean and, the, and a wave came up and Kylo even though he was 
light years away had the water on his face. So there, there's something going on there, um, which was later described to be Snoke was the one pulling this together. Um, but I, I have a line here that I that I again, this was only on my second watch. I just want to make sure I say that because I don't want to come off as like some snob or anything. But <laughs> in the first scene, when this happens, Kylo looked at Ray and said, are you doing this? And said, N- said, no, the, the force of this would kill you if you were the one doing this. And I think that fed into something that we got later on in the movie with Luke. I I, I think a lot of people who were caught, caught off guard with some of this stuff weren't really noticing a lot of the intricacies. And I wasn't either. Like I said, second watch through is when I caught up on some of this. Um, but did you catch that line of of Kylo saying, hey, the force of doing this would kill you um, to, to make them be able to see each other and experience each other that far away? I didn't notice that line. I did notice the line where he said, are you doing this? And I, in my head, I kind of thought of it as, uh, well, th- this is kind of another one of those like master Jedi type things that even he hadn't mastered yet. So, um, but, but you're, it's interesting that you say that because um, while I didn't have a problem with what would come at the very end of the movie, the same way a lot of people did, that makes a lot of sense. Um, why, like how it would have been the reason why what happened to Luke happened. So um yeah, no, that that's that's interesting that you noticed that line because that that is a, a very little subtle way to acknowledge uh, something that would come later in the film. Yeah, exactly. Um, but so in, in this and them talking, we get to know a couple of things. I mean, we, we establishes um, how Kylo turned to the dark side, and it, it's an interesting perspective because the first time we get the story, I believe it's from Luke, and Luke says Kylo turned on him. We and we see. Kylo crushing the house around them and, and the rubble and Luke coming up from from underneath it. Then the second time Kylo tells the story and he tells that Luke was going to kill him and he saw Luke and he defended himself. Finally, and probably what was the truth and Luke telling it again is Luke picked up on the dark side growing in Kylo. And for a second, he thought he should kill him. He ignited his lightsaber, felt shame. Kylo saw that he ignited his lightsaber and that's what set Ben Solo down the path to become Kylo. This is why I say he's one of the best written characters because if and it was it was if there was a whole movie describing this fall of Kylo becoming I'm Ben becoming Kylo, it would probably be one of the best stories told in Star Wars. Now we did get it told in flashbacks, which shortens it some, but I just think that that's just such a great story because it's so different um, from how Darth Vader turned, and it's really ultimately Luke's fault for not trusting in himself and in in Ben. That we have Kylo Ren being who he is. Yeah, we. The, the truth is, is that his character is one of the saddest ones I've ever seen written in the Star Wars universe because he is a he is a young boy looking for for guidance. He's looking for parents, and he doesn't get it. His parents, or his his original parents, ship him off to his weird weird priest uncle to train him to be a Jedi, and then that uncle tries to kill him. So everyone that he ever puts any kind of trust in betrays him, in, or including Snow. So it's it's one of the saddest things ever when um you know you have that little glimmer of hope later that maybe the light is there, and then you realize no, it's not going to be there, and it's never going to be there because the people that could have given it to him failed him miserably throughout his entire life. He has a, this movie made him to be one of the most interesting characters, like you said, that's ever been written in the Star Wars universe because of everything that could have been. He could have been the most powerful Jedi. He could he could have been the most loving person, but he was let down by every adult 
that he ever encountered. And that's and that's the the most tragic part of the story of Kylo Ren. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and let, let's 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 talk now. So we we get um, eventually Kylo and Ray and, and, and seeing each other um, touch hands, and they are both they're both given visions of of what would happen should they meet. Um, Ray confronts Luke. That's when he tells her the the true story about how Kylo turned, and she decides that she's gonna go to Kylo because she got a vision that if she goes to him, he will turn to the light and. Uh, defeat Snoke, I, I believe is how she she worded it exactly. She goes to Snoke's destroyer, um, meets Kylo. He takes her to to Snoke, and let's talk, let's talk about Snoke before we get into this war, though, because I'm really excited to talk about what happened here because it completely changes the dynamic of Star Wars. Snoke, who is this emperor like figure, um, to compare him to someone to the original trilogy, um, it is. The, all his scenes in the movie he's definitely shown to be powerful he he admitted that he was the one who was forcing the connection between kylo and ray which just tells you how powerful he was because kylo early in the movie said the 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 force to do something like that would kill somebody what did you think about before we like i said before we get into the spoilers of what happens to snoke what did you think about snoke in this movie you finally got to see him live and in the flesh um he was everything that you expected he was the emperor the Emperor Light in a lot of ways because you didn't really get too much of him. Uh, and he he was impressively strong. Like, this is the kind of character that I you'd envisioned. There was only one other one, I think, if, you, if you'd ever watched the Clone Wars um, cartoon series where they were on a planet uh, with um, this... The person who was... I can't remember his name to, say, to save me, but um, where he had two children. One ended up being a Sith and a Jedi, and he was incredibly strong with the Force, where Anakin momentarily saw his future and he had to kind of like wipe the memory of him mm-hmm. and like that kind of strength that uh that someone that wields the force could have uh and he he came across like i mean you know flick of a finger and ray goes flying across across a room and can't can't control herself or the way that he can make that connection or that he could sense the feeling of kylo ren or any or anybody around him so he was i mean he came across as a, as a pseudo like everything that the emperor was in and then some yeah, I mean, in, in uh, many ways, I mean, as far as what we've seen depicted, I mean, if you read books and stuff, you know, the emperor was, was super powerful, but he's in many ways more powerful than emperor. And we see force lightning briefly. Um, and, and like you said, in, in the first scene, we see like Kylo is trying to attach himself to Snoke when he's like, I've given everything I've given everything to you to the dark side. And, and Snoke kind of just shocks him and moves on about him like he de- he dismisses him so badly. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's just crazy um uh that 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 relationship there but snoke let's talk about it so we get kylo as i said before i mean if you can't tell by my voice i'm really excited to talk about this scene um when ray's brought in front of snoke he tries to use the force to interrogate her to, to get where um where luke skywalker is and he basically has kylo he says he's gonna have kylo killer he says he sees it he sees kylo striking down his biggest enemy and just like that kylo force uses ray's lightsaber to cut snoke in half did your jaw drop as low as mine did when you saw that scene yes well the other thing that he says right before that he says he feels that the indecision in kylo ren is gone that now he feels that he's um he knows what he what he is going to do 
Um, so at, at that moment, I, I really didn't know what would happen. I, you know, I, I suspected that maybe he would pull the lightsaber towards him or something like that. They, they would do something like that. But, uh, I, I did not expect what, what was, what was to come, uh, in, in the whole scene. But again, like, like we were talking about with Snoke, he was so incredibly impressive when it came to using the force that he could even sense what not not necessarily read minds but be able to sense exactly how kylo ren was feeling to the point that there is no indecision in his mind at this very moment and he is going to do this not knowing that what he is going to do is pretty much cut snoke in half (laughs) (laughs) yeah so we get snoke cut in half and then um yeah that's that's just that's wild like the fact that this and we've all speculated who snoke is we we may still get that story it's probably going to be in a video it's probably in the next battlefront game like that's just how they'll do it around the time episode nine but but snoke's cut in half and then we get one of the most badass fight scenes in in all the star wars to me like them fighting the praetorian guard i love this I i loved how they they fought together without communicating without ever fighting together before like when ray throws him the lightsaber he catches it and immediately ignites it in in one of the guards faces like this was a great great scene and we still got some good dialogue after the fight scene that i want to talk about too but what do you think about the fight scene oh this it, it it was already kind of crazy when the you know when snoke is cut in half and then all of a sudden it turns into even in my in, in my mind is one of the most beautifully shot scenes ever in in a star wars movie because um it's just this giant red background and then you get these like this blue lightsaber and this red lightsaber and they're back to back fighting the guards going back and forth oh i was like jaw dropped at this point like i i was confused i was excited i, I, I was it was just all happening at this at the same time so it was it was great to see um from from beginning to end it lasted quite a while too um, which is I thought was really great. Like they didn't just cut down the red guard at all. They they came they came across as as being formidable as they should have been. I mean their job is to guard the emperor or at least to guard the uh, supreme leader. Uh, so they they did everything that you would would think that they would be. And Ray and and Kylo needed each other to be able to combat them. Absolutely, absolutely, and it it just the way that they went right into effect after he was after Snoke got cut in half, um, and the fact that they were able to hold up to two Jedi, like two powerful, probably two of the most powerful Jedi we've seen in the series. Um, well, Ren's not a Jedi; he's not quite a Sith either. But it was just a great fight. Like it, like you said, the the scenery of it, uh, the the red background, and how the red background also burnt up as they were fighting like that kind of went away over the course of the fight too it was just great like hats off to ryan johnson to be able to to pull together something like that because that fight scene was better than any fight scene in the force awakens to me and and many in the in the prequels as well yeah and also it it broke this thing that i hate in current cinematography and it's i blame christopher nolan for this i'm gonna do this mini mini rant um when he did the batman movies he he did not know how to shoot action scenes at all so you get a lot of very like close-ups, um, camera, you know, camera lenses that were not really meant to shoot things from a wide angle, and it got a lot of shakiness. And ever since then, everybody was shooting their action scenes very shaky, very much like not knowing what was happening. This was very wide. You got to see swinging lightsabers. You got to see a lot of uh, a lot of people moving 
as opposed to it being this clustered mess of cinematography. So I really, really appreciate that that was able to happen and bring back a, um, a level of, um, of distance to fully appreciate what was happening in the scene. Absolutely. And so after, after this fight scene, we get uh, another scene between Kylo and, and, and uh, Ray in which he says that she's nothing. She's no one to this story. Kind of drilling home the point that she's not linked to any of the previous characters. He also mentions uh, her, who her parents were um, and asks her to join him. And she tries to convince him to join the light. She had a vision of him joining her, um, which which leads into some of the speculation I'm going to get into when we get into the uh, to, to that segment. But uh, this this like I said, this was just a great scene. Also building both of these characters as well and showing it really changes the dynamic and what we know with star Wars movies, because always in star Wars, there has been a big bad guy Sith behind the scenes and another one more forward. Now going into this, into this next movie, the third in this trilogy, Kylo's the big bad. Like Kylo is the main bad guy. As conflicted as he is, he has to be the main bad guy. If he picks up an apprentice along the way, that may be a possibility, but I like that this really just changed what we know as the third act of Star Wars films to be. Yeah, I hope he doesn't pick up a uh, an apprentice because he is he's such an angry character that I don't see him. He doesn't work well with others. He doesn't play well with others, as we've seen in the first and second film. But uh, that moment where he, when he reaches out to Ray, there, there was actually not even just that one moment where uh, Ray kind of mentions we have to stop them from destroying the ships. And he looks at the throne and he stops before it. I, in the middle of the movie theater, I put my head down and I just told myself, oh no, oh no, this isn't, this is, this is not going the way I think anybody thought it was going to go. Uh, and, and it didn't. He, he saw the moment. He grasped it, it that now he was in charge of the first order he he was the most powerful sith in the galaxy at that point because there as far as he knows there are no more he just killed the last one and it's just him um and he believed that he could overpower ray and they this it it just it, it was it, it created a villain on a different level because you sim- you sympathize with him you didn't sympathize with darth vader in the first star wars movie he was just this faceless evil and now you have Kylo Ren, who you really wanted. You really wanted it to be his moment. You wanted him to come back. And then he did that turn and you realize, oh, no, you're you are the bad guy. Now, you always were the bad guy and you're going to continue being that. Uh, so it ended up being awesome. Like it was it was one of those turns that I mean, I, I, I wish you could guess something like this in pro wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, this is that's the level of storytelling. We, we just don't get in wrestling anymore. But um, to, to come back from that, then. uh. So the the climax of this movie goes to Kylo Ren leading the First Order uh, to a resistance base that they escape to, and Luke Skywalker appears. We get a fight between Luke Skywalker and Kylo Ren in which Kylo cuts through Luke at some point. Luke allows him to. He he uses the Ben Solo line, if you strike me down, I'll become... Well, he actually says, I will stay with you forever, just like your father. Um and you know the whole see you around kid and he kind of just fades away and we find out that luke was actually on this island the whole time and force projected himself and we get the death scene of luke skywalker i have a few issues with this you know luke skywalker to me has just been the biggest hero probably of of any cinematic story to me just since a kid um and i'm kind of mad we never got to see a truly truly badass luke skywalker scene but i will say this there was just such a perfect 
symmetry in the way that this ended between the first time we seen we saw Luke in in the original trilogy watching that that sunset um it was just perfect it was a perfect scene he fades away becomes a force ghost uh what what did you think about the end of this movie did it bother you like it did some that we got a force power that we had never seen before even though people who don't realize it we saw basically that power this whole movie uh with Kylo and Rey but what what did you think about it no, it didn't bother me at all. I, I thought it was ingenious, um, and it was something that you would expect from a Jedi Master, something that uh, you know I would have expected Yoda to do. Uh, so w- w- when it did happen, um, it I was caught off guard because I, you know, like everybody else, I thought that he was like deflecting giant blaster shots and and all this kind of stuff, and um, especially since he had a um, an embrace with uh, with Leia right before going out to uh, battle Kylo. Um, it did. There was a mini giveaway to me in that when he pulled out his lightsaber, it was blue and not green. So I did kind of I, I, I kind of doubted. I was like, wait a minute. Like, that's that's weird. But I, I thought maybe, well, maybe that's just a mess up by the by the the filmmakers and didn't really realize that. But no, it wasn't. It, it was it was that projection that was his lightsaber. So it it made a little bit more sense why his projection would have that um, in regards to you know, kind of his demise and, and the fact that that you kind of laid it out how they said earlier, that kind of thing could kill you. Um, and, and it did for him. It was redemption because he went into hiding due to his failures. The best thing he could do was come back and give the resistance a chance and be that kind of uh, that deity, that godlike figure that they'd all looked up to while passing the torch in a way. And that's what he did with Ray allowing her to um i although unintentionally allowing her to have her moment to be that huge uh godlike figure to the resistance moving forward but uh he 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 did everything that he had to do he bought them time again it was another one of those scenes i'm just buying time here for everybody to get out and and kylo ren fell for it gloriously which made it even better yeah yeah and then we we get the 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 final ending scene with Ray saving the resistance by lifting the rock the rocks and they all see her power and she's kind of hopefully becomes that new hope that Luke was for the resistance um and that, that's kind of that's kind of the movie as a whole is there we did not talk of the Yoda scene I don't want to skip past that because seeing oh Yoda my god my head as, exploded <laughs> as a puppet again that was awesome to me like i the whole cgi yoda from the prequels i dealt with it It, it, we were kids of the time that's where movies were going but to see the the yoda puppet again was just it was such an amazing scene he was still the asshole that he was like laughing and cracking jokes i love how luke was going to burn down the 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 library the jedi library in that tree and luke was like no and yoda just calmly just jokingly as he's kicking his feet just found it hilarious just lit the damn thing on fire called down a lightning strike that was just a great scene although did you know there was something very particular that i noticed about that upon my watching of it he strikes it down but he knew the entire time that the books were not in there because yeah. in the scene there's a scene later on where you where uh finn opens up a drawer and all those jedi books were in it it was it was such an ingenious like yoda moment because luke didn't know that it had been cleaned out yeah and yoda uh, like always- how would he yeah, Yoda always talking in code when he said there was nothing in that library that Ray does not already possess. 
Like it's just yeah. <laughs> just a great line. Yoda is just yeah, always talking to Cole, man. That was great. That was one of the few moments. So um yeah, look, I'm I'm the kind of guy I get emotional during movies, not gonna lie. I saw Coco yesterday and I nearly died. Oh, I don't even um, want to talk but, about that movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh one of there were there were a few moments in this movie where I teared up and Yoda showing up, that was it was it was just my childhood. And and I, I saw that puppet and I just I I nearly lost it. I was like, Oh, I can't deal with this. That and R2 D2 showing Luke Skywalker the original Leia um, message from the first Star Wars film, I just lost it. <laughs> exactly. It's it's yeah, man. It it was just it was it's a great scene, and you know that that Luke with R two D two. I'm sorry, that scene with Luke and R two D two. Um, that was like the one time that Luke kind of lightened up, and you saw um him him not be so such a curmudgeon like when he saw r2d2 like his face just lit up and then the way he looked at him was like first he said uh watch your language we're on a sacred island mm-hmm. and then, then when he <laughs> then when he showed him the hologram again and he just kind of looked at him like oh you bastard that's a cheap shot mm-hmm. yeah it was um it, it was great they, they did so many fun little moments that harken back to those people that were just in love with the with the movies for pretty much their entire lives like us um but yeah, so it was the Yoda scene was uh, was was great and and so well placed in it. I hope that maybe in the next film we'll get things like um, a Force Ghost of, of Luke or Qui Gon Jinn or Ewan McGregor's version of Obi Wan Kenobi. Hoping I know I know Ewan McGregor said that he wants he would totally be down with doing that. Uh, which which I I'm, I'm holding out hope that we can see that because we're obviously not getting Alec Guinness although they could probably CGI him at this at this rate. <laughs> yeah, I mean, plus we're getting that Obi Wan uh, standalone movie that that's, that's the next right. solo movie. So I hope that they cast you and they have to cast you and McGregor. Like there's no way they can recast him at this point. Um, but we'll, we'll, that that's a conversation for another day. But yeah, this 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 like the ending of this movie it was it was so impactful for me. Um, it really kind of set everyone uh, to the path for the for the for the ninth movie. And this is where we start getting into speculation. Now you said well, that well, you we had, also didn't talk about porgs. <laughs> oh God, the porgs, man! Uh, the, Do you the, know the, the reason why they exist? Because like, didn't they get like inspiration from all the actual puffins that were on that island? Well, that yes, right? they did, but they couldn't remove them when they started filming there. Every morning, puffins would show. They they said they were like two, three hundred puffins all over their sets, and they ran the budget and said, if uh, if you know we can remove them, this is what it's going to cost, or it's cheaper for us to turn them into these cute little things, and we'll see what happens. What? So okay. So all those puffins. I mean, all those porgs were puffins that they just see. That's that makes me like them even more now. Like that's that's crazy. Yeah, yeah you know, it's because you know they they got accused so much. You know, Disney is like, oh, you're 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 putting these little things in to kind of sell toys. It's like, yeah, but it's also fixing a problem. So I mean, why not? <laughs> Yeah, hey, I mean, if you fix it, it's better it's than yours. it's better than showing puffins there, and then like well, puffins don't exist in the Star Wars universe. So yeah. hey, plus that scene with 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 uh, Chewie eat, about to eat one, and they're just looking at him. That would that almost oh, made it great. For me. <laughs> that was great. Yeah, those guys were great. So uh, are you ready to get into speculation now? Let's, let's do it. Let's do some theory. All right. So you have a theory about Ray's parents. I have I have I have a few coming from this movie, but I, I definitely want to hear yours first on Ray's parents. I got to hear this. So she asks. So she's in the she's in the grotto. She has that moment where she she asks the um, the mirror, "Show me my parents," and she sees herself. My theory is she is a child made of the metachlorins. 
She is. She does not have parents, and she never did. She's a child that um, was. She, she was then abandoned. But she is. She is the balance, the final balance of the force. That the force keeps trying to make this child to balance it out. They made Anakin. Anakin didn't work out. Anakin's children redeemed him, but there still needs to be that person to bring balance to the force. And Rey is that is that person. She she's now the Jedi are gone. The Sith are down to one person. The Jedi and the Sith are now down to one person on each side, and she's there to balance it. I liked it. I I, I liked that a lot. I um and it it kind of feeds into to um Snoke had a line in there saying that he knew as Kylo got stronger in the dark side someone would rise in the light so that again speaks to that balance that you talk about I, I like i like that a lot and that would also link it all back because like you said anakin was born of of the midichlorian so i like that yeah idea. and kylo my theory is kylo lied to her because kylo didn't answer her until she turned him down it's like you want to know who your parents are and then and then she turned him down was like they were nothing he totally lied he was totally healed on that like he just was just a complete a-hole about the whole thing true true and i mean yeah I, and even if even if he did kind of see that let's just say he did see something like that um it was shown that snoke manipulated that so he could have he could have been mm-hmm. seeing anything um so i like that a lot i like that a lot now uh let, let's let's get into some snoke speculation um do you think does it matter to you i should ask first who snoke is where he came from i, I think eventually we'll get it in a novel or something but is it something that you would rather see in the films Do you think we need to see it in the films I don't think we necessarily need to see it in the films. Um, I would like it. I would like kind of a brief pseudo explanation. It could be a two or three lines in the next movie. Um, a book or a comic book would be even better to kind of get that out. I know there was so kind in the last two years, there've been, you know, is he Darth Plagueis? Did he bring himself back to life? Like analyzing scars, all this kind of stuff. Um, I, I I don't know. Um, I kind of bought into the idea of the, it could be kind of cool if he was Darth Plagueis, you know, since he brought himself back to life. But uh, it's it doesn't really matter. I, I think a book or a comic book would satisfy enough. Yeah. And, and we we get this whole Ryan Johnson, the director of this movie, is doing his own trilogy, which is going to be yeah. completely set. Of, well, and originally he said it's not going to involve the Skywalkers. Now that we found out Ray is in a Skywalker. There's still a possibility maybe she isn't involved now. That was the key thing there before is that it w- it was not going to involve the Skywalkers, I believe, is exactly how he phrased it or the press release phrased it. Now that we know that they're raised now to Skywalker, there's a chance Kylo could go away. There's, there's still a chance she may be in the movies, but even if it's not. Um, but who's to say that maybe it's not set years and decades ago? And it's kind of this. What? What? Just imagine if we get a, a trilogy from Ryan Johnson, and we don't realize until the last scene of that last trilogy that we were just watching Snoke's or, origin story. Could have been. We, we, we it very well. Could, it very well could be, which which would be awesome. Um, from a from a film standpoint, I hope it isn't because I feel like we've been in an era of prequels for so long. True. Uh, that I, I, I would like to see a little more originality, things moving forward as opposed to moving backwards. Uh, but that that's just a matter of personal preference more than anything else, only because you know where it's going to end now. Um, the, the the same thing kind of happens, uh, you know, with, with the Star Wars prequels. Like, you knew where it was going the entire time. Um, and there's nothing you can do about that. That's just kind of the the gist of it. Like Or, or yeah, as a better example... Um, Fantastic Beast. If you're, you know, if anybody listening is a Harry Potter fan, um, you know where that's going. Grindelwald's gonna die, and um, and Dumbledore's gonna kill him. Um, so you know, no spoiler alert there. But the 
So you, it eliminates that kind of surprise that happens along the way. So it, it makes, it's a little bit cheap in a sense when it comes to writing for a movie. I actually think that what we're going to get out of Ryan Johnson is something about those kids, especially that one at the very, very, very end who you saw had a little bit of force power, the way he was able to bring the broomstick to himself and uh, had, a, had the resistance ring that was given to him. So I, I hope that that's where they go, that we can get this kind of uh, little mini story that's in a different part of the galaxy. Yeah, and see, and by, by me saying uh, us find out it's a prequel, I'm thinking more so than no, it's a prequel going in. I'm kind of thinking, have you seen Split? Yes, I have. I'm thinking more so like that, like to we don't even realize it's it's a, a prequel to like that the very end of the movie. But I, I, I agree with you, like the Star Wars universe is so big I'm completely open. I probably would prefer it to be something completely unrelated. I was just kind of, like I said, just speculating yeah, yeah. there. Um, now, let, let Ray, we have to talk about Ray and, and where we kind of see her story going. Um, we talked about the parents. That 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 thing's out the way. Um, I don't know if this whole thing kind of ends with her finally restarting the Jedi, or more so, do we get some some type of symmetry with? Her possibly and Kylo dying together. They both saw each other go- being together. Who's to say she doesn't turn them and they both die some type of way? Like that's speculation, way way far. But what do you think about that idea? I hope not. I I, I love Ray's character and I and I think she's so redeeming. Um, I don't want her to restart the Jedi. I think that definitely much like what Luke said, something new needs to come out of it. Something that isn't. Uh, white versus black, um, something that's far different in the teachings. And I hope that she's able to do that. She's definitely going to be a main figurehead for the resistance, which I think could lead to something a bit um, sociopolitical in the next movie. Um, kind, kind of like what we saw in the Hunger Games, not as bad as that, oh, uh, you know, where, where, they, where they use her. But, um, you know, it. She's she is a figurehead for for the resistance now and in, in potentially putting down the first order for good, which is another thing entirely. The first order is something that um, is is not completely stable. And I hope that they research that and really dig into that a lot more in, in the third film. Yeah, especially now with Kylo as, as conflicted and unfocused as he can be sometimes. Uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see just how chaotic the Force Order is because, you know, they they were very focused in their attacks in both movies uh, and, and their plan. Like, if you look at, you know, that whole plan in, in The Force Awakens to, to use the Starkiller base to destroy that whole so- solar system, that took some intricate planning. Kylo really isn't the planner like that so do we just see the force order just coming out and attacking everything just being overly aggressive um the like i said the 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 next movie which i can't remember i don't know if they've even announced the name of it yet but that i don't think they have that that this third movie that's coming up it can be a totally different movie not just from a storytelling perspective but just from like the style of it from anything we've ever seen jj abrams is coming back what's your anticipation for the ninth for the ninth uh film in the series I have hope because I like what J.J. Abrams did with the first one. This is why one of my favorite uh, Force Awakens is one of my favorite J.J. Abrams films. I am not a big fan of him as as a filmmaker. I find him to be a lot of times way too referential, or as he describes, um, he likes to have surprises. But when you open the box, you see another surprise within. So I don't want. I really hope he doesn't leave us asking a lot of questions. This needs to be a conclusion. 
And I hope that he really kind of delivers on that conclusion. Yeah, yeah, I, we do need a definitive conclusion. This, this, he can't, he can't lost this up. Like, I don't want any questions at the end of this, or even if there are some questions left, very slight ones, just, just ones that could be picked up in in other media mediums that uh, that the Star Wars franchise has. Um, I mean, we'd be remiss if we don't talk about Luke and Leia. Um, Luke. Obviously, he he didn't die. He transcended, I guess is what we'll call it at the end of this. But he's probably going to be around him. They've talked about he he still he's been training for filming. So we're going to see him in in some shape, form or fashion in the movie. And and Princess Leia, who was reported to be a big part of that of this third movie, isn't going to be around. So how do you see these story? Like, does Luke just kind of step in and his force ghost kind of takes the place of Leia? probably still training ray what what do you see happening or how 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 do you want to see the story change i see ray taking the role of of leia a lot more in this third film and i agree with you i think that the force ghost of um maybe not as um as as much but definitely having if there's a moment of uh of doubt for her having those like force ghosts appear to kind of help console her uh, and to help her make the right decisions at a key moment in the next film yeah yeah and i i want to see i want to see like all the force ghosts um like at some point like maybe help ray in different ways along like i want to see yoda and ray interact i want to see qui-gon if possible interact like him he's not as as big of a as a wish for me but obi-wan like i i I just need obi-wan is one of my favorite characters in Star Wars. Like just, just not even so much for what he's done in the movies. Like almost everything else that he's been in. Like the the way that they fleshed out that character so much in in both novels and comics and TV shows. Like Obi Wan is just a great character. We need we need that one moment where Space Ghost version of Mace Windu looks at Luke Skywalker's ghost and says, "Your father did me dirty." <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, Samuel Jackson, that that's that's crazy, man. Uh, so yeah, I mean, so I mean, anything left? Any other speculation left? Anything? Any theories that you have that we haven't talked about before? We go ahead and wrap it up. I think Finn is going to have his really big moment of uh, doing something substantial in the next in the next film because uh, he's been a guy that constantly knocks himself and has and and looks for those moments to define who he is. This next film, I think, is going to give him that moment that I don't know if he's going to die doing it as he as he attempted to kill himself in this movie. But he'll have that big moment that really defines his existence in the Star Wars universe. Yeah, if Finn does need a big moment, I mean, he's had moments. And uh, oh, we let, let's talk about that. Do you think Phasma's gone, or do we see Phasma again? And anytime I don't see a body. Or someone get decapitated in Star Wars. I always think there's a chance they can come back. <laughs> yeah, I think Phasma will be back. Um, but who knows? She might end up being Boba Fett. Like, because uh, everybody thought Boba Fett was still alive and wrote that thing to death. <sighs> I still wish Boba Fett was still alive. But that that's just a story for another day, man. Hey, go it's, read Dark Empire, the comic, and you'll see what happens to Boba Fett. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. So, uh, I mean, I guess we, we talked about it. Any, anything left before we give our ratings and goodbyes? No, I don't think so. I think, you know, we love the film. Um, if you didn't like it, you know, whatever. <laughs> Go on <watch> something else. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm so tired of reading these headlines. The most divisive Star Wars movie yet. And I really just think people just need to see it again. And and I know it costs money and I know people are like, Well, I paid once to see it, but once it's out on home video, 
I'm really going to be interested to see how the the conversations, because um, I'm like in the Star Wars Reddit and a couple forums, like how those conversations change when people are able to pick up on some of the things that maybe they didn't see on the first watch through. Because I, I think a lot of the questions and problems people have are answered in this movie. It's just the, the story admittedly is told at such a fast pace most times that maybe it was just missed. Yeah, you know, but just remember the Wizard of Oz, nobody liked the Wizard of Oz when it first came out and years later, everybody loved it. So I think time will uh, will really sit well for this film. Absolutely. So you're, you're, you're rating one through 10. What, what are you giving the Force? I mean, sorry, not the Force Awakens, the last Jedi. I give this an, an eight. This is this is up there. Is, I, I, I have to rewatch this and Empire Strikes Back, but this is right now at the very least my second favorite Star Wars film. Wow. Wow. That that's that's a great rating. I just, I, I, I like it. I, I really like like this movie. I love this movie. Um, it's a solid eight and a half for me. Um, like I said, it I I want to just if I haven't drilled it enough and you see it again, like people really need to see it again um, and really break down some of it. And it's one of those movies that um, I think with how the third one is, it can make this one better because just to see how they pick up on some of the threads left here, it can definitely make this one better um, and higher even than what it is for me. I think if I'm rating the Star Wars movie, so Empire is my favorite. Um, Empire and, is one of the best ever. Yeah, yeah. Empire I mean, is one it, of the it, best it, movies it, ever. It's hard to knock that one off the perch. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They, they have to damn near deliver a perfect movie to knock Empire off. But yeah, man, it, it's 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 up there. It's definitely it, it, top three probably for me in, in Star Wars films. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to the Han Solo movie, even though there's nothing but almost bad things coming out about it. But I'm <laughs> I'm looking forward to it until I see it. Yeah, well, you know, hopefully, hopefully they get their stuff together. I think sometimes I think uh, and this is a little bit of advice to all movie fans. Don't pay attention to what's going on behind the scenes. It's only going to make you judge things a little bit more. Um, watch watch the product. If you enjoy it, great. And if you don't, you know, go watch something else better. Your your time is is way better spent not worrying about what entertainment people are doing behind the scenes. Yeah, very true on that one. Well, Anthony, tell the people where they can find you um, and listen to your podcast and then let's bid them adieu. Yeah, you can find me at the World Wrestling Podcast Network um, with Poodasu History Ichiban. Uh, we review Japanese wrestling shows of yesteryear. You can also find me at NYC Soccer World, where I cover New York soccer, New York Red Bulls, NYCFC, the New York Cosmos, Sky Blue FC, and everything of the sort. Where can they find you? You can find me at CEO Hayes. That's at C-E-O-H-A-I-Z-E on all social media platforms that I happen to be on. You can also contact The Awakened Soul at theawakensoulpod at gmail.com. I look forward to hearing you guys' feedback on this uh, episode as well as on uh, The Last Jedi. So just just definitely let me know what you think. Um, I mean, that's that's pretty much it. We killed it as as we tend to do here on The Awakened Soul. Anthony, I want to thank you again. But let's go ahead and tell the people good night. Good night and enjoy being here. Peace. Peace.